Hey, well, welcome back. We're back for episode two. Back by popular demand, a, a little bit, I guess. Back by popular demand. I I don't know. My demand was pretty low. The quota that I set was two, and I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna listen to it twice. So I was coming back next week. What was your quota? Um. I just wanted five. Five. Well, we both surpassed our quotas, so that's good. Yeah, we all listened, so thank you so much for tuning in. Absolutely. To the first episode. Yeah. We had a lot of fun making it, and I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Uh, Happy belated Juneteenth. It was an amazing weekend. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Um, Yesterday, I just kind of relaxed and Mm -hmm. had some me time and... Just chilled out. Really. Me time is so important, especially to your mental health. Self-care is, is critical. Absolutely. Uh, my weekend was pretty good. Uh, I've seen so many festivals going on throughout Atlanta. There was at least two in my neighborhood. And although I didn't get to go, I did get to witness the camaraderie amongst black people. And I have to say, just being able to, to witness that, it's something that even in Atlanta, I've never seen before. Because most of the time we have these big events, but they're all kind of mixed. Everybody's kind of mixing with unless it's like Freak Neek or Birthday Bash. But, you know, this was just a Juneteenth weekend. It's a, our actual official weekend, and it feels so good to be black. And being able to support black businesses this weekend was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Were you able to get out and support any black businesses? Um, I ate black all weekend. Okay. I went to a Caribbean spot around the corner. And I tried to uh, patronize a black-owned uh, Mac repair shop, but they I called them ahead of time, and they weren't able to help me. So, womp womp. But, you know, I tried. We're hoping that you all had a very, very fun Juneteenth weekend. Happy belated Father's Day to yes. anybody who celebrated this past weekend. This is the Kings with Beards podcast. I am Jay Maurice. And I'm Javad. And I am rooting for everybody who's black who puts sugar in their grits. Disgusting. Whoa. I am rooting for everybody whose beard doesn't quite connect yet. Oh. And for those struggle ponytails. Wait, 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 wait. Stop the music. We need to have a serious conversation right now. Yeah. So, trans lives matter just like black lives matter. And black trans lives definitely matter. Yes. And if that's something that you don't understand, then imagine explaining the reason why black lives matter to a person who's saying all lives matter. Exactly. So, we just kind of want to take this moment to bring to the forefront two black transgender people who were slain um, or maybe not even slain, but I think in one case, uh, one was murdered and then the other was beaten at a Black Lives Matter protest. And this is the time for unity and all Black Lives Matter. And we just kind of want to emphasize that. So in the first case, the first trans life that was lost that I'm recounting was the sister of Reggie Bullock. Um, Reggie Bullock is an NBA player who now plays for the LA Clippers, I think, and he was first. He was the first round draft pick um, in 2013. Her, his sister's name was Mia Henderson. She was killed in 2014 in Baltimore. She was 26 years old. The suspect was arrested, arrested, tried, and acquitted. The next trans black life that we're going to talk about is Ayana Dior. Ayana Dior was 
attending a protest in Minneapolis, a Black Lives Matter protest in Minneapolis, where she was brutally beaten by a group of 15 to 30 cisgendered males at a gas station. Uh, so she hasn't survived the attack. She had to run into the store in order to stop the attacks. But unfortunately, it, it's us and it's our people that attacked her while she wanted to go protest and stand up for the lives of our black brothers and sisters that have been unjustly killed by the police. Now, this stands for everyone who's out there protesting. It doesn't matter who's to the left of you or who's to the right of you. We are all standing up for our rights. And if you don't agree with somebody's lifestyle, that doesn't mean that they don't have the right to be here. You don't have to like somebody's lifestyle, but just because it's different from yours does not give you the right to abuse them, to fight them, to verbally assault them, or to kill them. We are all fighting for the same cause, and if you can't get with that, then stop saying all black lives matter, because you're not talking about all black lives. You're talking about the lives that are only important to you. Yep, you're only talking about the ones that you agree with in that moment, so... This, you know, this is just, this is not a calling out, this is a calling in, and we just kind of want to have an internal conversation about that, because like Jay just said, you're not talking about all black lives until you are inclusive of everybody in the community. So, that's it. On with the show. Let's get back. In this week's Entrepreneurial segment, we've got Arthur DeRozier. Arthur DeRozier lives in Dallas, Texas, and he is the founder and CEO of Bell Nouveau Products. Let's get into it. How's, how's everything been? I haven't spoken to you in so it's long. It's been a minute, right? You in, it, in a minute. The irony is that, it's, is that today's Joss's birthday, so I'm sure he would be so proud of us uh, getting on a podcast call. Well, yeah, let's, let's get into all that. So for our listeners, what I want, you, want to have you do is tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you, but our listeners don't. So, yeah, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Arkman DeRozier, right? Um, I am, oh, yeah, DeRozier. You know, I'm, 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 my background is Haitian. My uh, family's from Haiti. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of Belle Nouveau Beauty. Um, Belle Nouveau Beauty is a company that provides handcrafted and natural beauty products for healthier skin and hair. I have been in business for almost eight years now, since 2012. Um, I have been in business and, um, you know, I don't know about most people, but I stumbled into entrepreneurship. I was definitely on the track of, you know, fulfilling my skill set as far as uh, what I went to college for, which was healthcare administration. And so that's what I was on track to do. But a few years in, um, I just kind of got inspired by my sister. You know, she was transitioning to a natural lifestyle. She was wanting to uh, basically add, incorporate more natural products into her regimen and start doing all that. But at the time, you know, stuff was a little it's pricey. Natural wasn't the way back then. And so things were very hard to find or they were very luxury. And so we just kind of started to collaborate and really make something just kind of, you know, a prototype, something that we could use, something that she could use um, to maintain her skin and her hair. And then before you know it, um, the word just spread. The word they spread about this basic little pomade that I made. And (laughs) thus the journey began into me exploring entrepreneurship. So it's been a really cool thing, learning how to, um, I think, uh, be inspired by something um, and then develop it, right? And de- like actually creating a prototype and refining that process and then bringing it to market and all of that. And so um, that's what the last eight years has been like for me. 
I think that says a lot about my who I am right now. The last eight, eight years have been very formative in a sense that, um, you know, I started my business at 25 and I'm in my 30s. And so, you know, I think for me, that really set the tone for how I view the world in a lot of different ways that I was able to jump into entrepreneurship at a pretty good age. You obviously made the, the shift from D.C. to, where was it, Dallas initially or was it Houston? Uh, to Dallas. Okay. Could you could you tell us a little bit about that story and like what made you move from DC to Dallas? Because I, I think I remember. Yeah. I remember, but. Yeah, you know we love DC. Uh, once upon a time, it was a chocolate city, but nevertheless. Um, you know, while I was in DC, I was already in business and I was still working and balancing entrepreneurship and having the brand. Um, but I was approached with an opportunity. I would say the second opportunity in regards to basically somebody investing into my, my business, right? And someone wanting, you know, to bring me in under a conglomerate, uh, an umbrella of brands, if you will. And so I was very much so open to the idea. Uh, we courted, we talked a little bit, and um, you know, it 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 it, it won me over. I need to say they wooed me, if you will, and um, you know, part of that was me getting closer to their operations because they actually had a facility, you know, warehouse and production, all that stuff right there. That's how committed I was to my brand growing and really becoming um, something, you know, I think significant um, was that I was willing to pick up my life, you know, what I'm saying, and move to this new city where I didn't have any family or friends. Um, just so that I can really continue to put the work in into building this brand. But one of the things I didn't learn until I got here was that, you know, what partnership looks like when it comes to business and how different that is from when you're like a solopreneur, mm -hmm. right? So you're a solopreneur, you're called the shots. I want this, I can do this, I can do that. I make all the decisions, but in a partnership, especially when the partnership with somebody is, you know, contributing financially, um, you don't get to call all the shots. There's a lot of compromises, a lot of negotiating, and so I think that was unfortunately just kind of the hard part, like any quote unquote breakup, um, you know, it was just, we couldn't come to, I think the place that we needed to be in order to continue on. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a quick detour, quick change of plans. And nevertheless, I stayed in Dallas and I continue to thrive um, on the entrepreneur scene. I continue just to build the business up um, as I was doing on my own in um, DC. And so, um, the journey just continued on. I'm still open to the idea of collaborating with someone in the future, but I think now I know what to look for and what to consider before going into another agreement. Right. You know, it's a lot of um, uh, courage and risk taking that goes into entrepreneurship. You know, I, I, I think that we you know we hear that, but then people, you know, when rubber hits the road, are you willing to pack up everything you know, all your friends, your somewhat level of stability and familiarity, and like, and, you know, jump yeah. and go and go do something drastic? And so, um, so yeah, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of risk, and I think that um, the entrepreneurship lifestyle can cultivate that if you allow it to. And that was just one element of me just kind of growing in my entrepreneurship was being more confident and taking those risks and just kind of like, like I say, building that parachute as you as you jump out of the plane. So, so yeah. Okay. So I, I know you used to sell men's products uh, once upon <laughs> a time. What made you stop doing that? Was it like the market demand or lack thereof or what happened? Oh, um, you know, your beard butter. I was like, I need to get up. You know, the beauty and uh, I would say the natural beauty for, I would say, uh, for multi-ethnic uh, people of color, black people, that world has evolved in such a very interesting way, right? You have this kind of 2000 and I would say 9, 2010 
breakthrough, right, of natural, right? All of a sudden, everybody like, oh, wow, discovered this thing, which really wasn't really new. It was, it was kind of just there, but it wasn't mainstream. And so you have this kind of influx of brands, even like myself, boutique brands have kind of built its way up. And so in that, though, there was a little bit of like, let's try to be everything to everybody. And so when I started doing the men's products, it was the idea that, you know, if their brand, if this natural brand has men's products, then we should have men's products. If that natural hand brand has men's products, then we should have men's products. And so um, obviously as a man, I use products and, and there were things that I wanted to just kind of share with the world about things that I use privately. But what I recognized was that just because it was a thing that was becoming um, very common amongst all the brands doesn't mean that we are necessarily the experts for that particular category because I do think that men's grooming is a category that does take a, a different um, approach, different strategy, different marketing that is not necessarily the same as what I'm doing for women, for women with textured hair, for people that's like my sister and how it started. So for me, I started to feel like if I wasn't going to be able to dedicate as much resources and time and focus on how to really like present a men's line, then there was no point in doing it. And so, you know, it was a tough decision because um, I still have a lot of yeah. <laughs> friends like you that uh, love our men's products. And I think our men's products were great. I think they're very comparable. Uh, I think they could, you know, definitely do well. But it is, in essence, like starting another yeah. brand. You know, it's not as easy just to throw some, you know, a beer butter here and a couple products there under your umbrella collection and think that it's all just going to be received the same way. There's a different way you have to deliver the message to men and showing them that you are an expert um, in what they're going through, showing them that you are uh, considerate of the challenges and the simplicity and all these things that come along with men's grooming. And so um, I, I respect it enough to know that if I'm not going to do it at, like I should, then I'm not going to do it yeah, at all. I, so. I definitely, <laughs> definitely respect that as a consumer because it's like, like you said, like you can't mark, necessarily market to your female or your women um, customers in the same way that you would market to your male customers, you know, even down to the packaging, the colors and all of that. Right. So it definitely right. would take, you know, a concerted, concentrated or concerted effort to to make that shit. But I miss that beer butter. Like I'm looking for a black owned. <laughs> it was, it was life. Yeah. It was great. You know, it's funny cause there's, 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 you know, there's more brands that have come. I, you know, I, we were, I, I feel like I'm one of the, the early, you know, people that was doing that kind of stuff. But um, there's some cool brands out there. I do think once again, some of them are on it. Some of them yeah. are not. Um, but you know, time will tell as to, you know, longevity and who is still standing a few years from now. Yeah. So we'll Definitely. see. So what, like, what's been your your greatest challenge and and your the greatest challenge and your greatest triumph to date in this eight from the time you've been open to now? Hmm. Um. Good question. Good question. Oh man. I mean, there's so many um small you know trials, if you will, entrepreneurship, right? Little things like even now during COVID, uh, supply chain, mm -hmm. right? Like the people that I normally order from, as far as my supplies and my ingredients are out or they can't, you know, their supply chain has been interrupted. So it affects our supply chain. Um, if I could think of something major that has impacted my entrepreneurial experience, it probably was the the move and the shift to Dallas um, with the idea that um, I was about to jump on board or finally get that, uh, you know, every every small business owner or entrepreneur is thinking about, you know, that, that big investment that's going to just change everything. And so um, I think that was probably the biggest uh, trial in a sense that it, it came in the form of a triumph in the sense that I thought I had 
I think I'm gonna say arrived, but I guess that's the only thing I could, <laughs> word I could use. But I thought I had gotten to this place of like, oh man, like somebody has finally noticed my hard work. I've been I've been grinding out here, whipping up this creamy crack, and somebody finally noticed it and wants to put money towards it. Um, but you know, the reality is that that was met with a little disappointment. Um, and I think that it was still um, something that added value because it taught me a lot of lessons about uh, business lingo, contracts, um, you know, negotiating, um, even just little things like I think um, uh, confirming certain things probably even before I even considered moving, right? Because in essence, I didn't even consider the idea of how I could have stayed in D.C. and managed my operations from a distance. And so all those things, um, I think, was... Uh, trial and triumph, you know, kind of in one in one swoop, in one big uh, lesson. Everything else is watered on under the bridge. You know, I can get past, um, you know, supply shortages. I can get past, you know, sales not being great for this quarter. Those are the things that I think that come along with it. And I, th I don't think anyone should be an entrepreneur if you're not okay with those little riffs. But the big challenges of like, you know what, I almost had it and then I don't. Yeah. That, now that could, that, that could break someone. That could cause someone to, I think, ultimately um you know quit as an entrepreneur if they're not if you don't have that mental fortitude to withstand um the, you know just kind of sit through the yeah, lesson the, so. the elasticity to kind of grow mm. and then come on that bounce, bounce back. back that bounce back come but on God, elasticity God you. He just <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's so funny because you, you look you can't you, you started preaching the message and i started thinking about curls I'm like oh that bounce back uh, yeah. okay the curl pattern you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. wait it is real to, so to real. shoot you even further Come on, because you know shrinkage oh, yeah. is real. Now that's a whole ah, that's a whole yeah, nother. man. <laughs> so, wow. So has COVID like affected your business at all, or you know, outside of supply chain interruptions, I gotta be really honest with you. I don't know why I'm whispering. Now. I'm <laughs> only one here, but uh, honestly, COVID has been good. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is. I don't know if it's because we have a focused, uh, people are really focused on on being on their phones, being online, we're working from home. Um, there's just been this really good uh, drawing to e-commerce based businesses like myself. And in addition to, I would say within the last month or so with the recent, um, uh, you know, just uh, uprising as far as, uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and of course George Floyd and all the unrest that has happened um, and the push to uh, kind of give more um, effort to black liberation, if you will, in the form of like economic empowerment. Um, I've, I've probably been in a better season than what I thought I would be, you know, considering this COVID crisis. Like I said, supply chain was interrupted, but what that, what that caused me to do was to become more resourceful. Yeah. Right. So I had to kind of start looking for new suppliers. I had to start considering what small adjustments we can make to the brand to accommodate for where we're not used to getting certain things done. But other than that, I mean, people have been drawn to the brand. People have been supporting. I mean, I've been really impressed at the solidarity, you know, to stand with black owned businesses. Granted, we know that this is kind of a heightened moment, but we also, you know, this is a, a moment where this could really change how we how we do business, right? This could really change. For some people, I know it could really change as to whether or not we continue doing mm. business, right? Because as as big corporations are shutting down our pits, people are losing their jobs. We as small business owners are very fortunate that we actually have something that we can actually continue earning, continue growing. And I can say that there's no reason for me to close right now. There's no reason for me to do anything because we're actually doing better than what I thought we would be doing during this time. And so um, that's been a really, really 
uh, great thing about COVID uh, with people's just attention and focus on supporting smaller businesses, smaller brands, e-commerce. Um, yeah, I think I'm in a, in a good space right now. So what I'm, three I'm really pieces happy of advice that. would you give great. to any start, uh, brand new entrepreneur in this season? Well, if, if, if I were talking to somebody who was really considering, um, you know, that I would really encourage them to really think about what is what what solution they're trying to you know bring to the table what problem they're trying to solve um i do although it's cliche you know what's the why right like what what's the why of course the what as well but all those things really are important and i think that sometimes we can kind of speed past that part and we just have this idea we just want to go ahead and go through grow through with it but we don't really think about what it's really adding to society to the market or wherever it is we're trying to bring it to right so really getting that part down like really what's the why what's the what and you know really cultivating that you know business plan if you want one page you know sheet a canvas however you got to do it but you really need to understand why are you getting into this and you know i think it helps you to do to answer to yourself am i really going into this for the right reasons um do i have like i said the uh the real interest to go through what you have to go through in order to build it more or less that would be the first thing i think number two clearly brick and mortar is going through it right now so i don't think anyone should be stepping into the brick mortar brick and mortar space because even like reliable businesses if you will like food or coffee or something like that even those are, are, are facing impact i think starbucks last week announced they were closing like 400 stores between canada and north america so like you know the idea of going into brick and mortar just that seems just crazy right now to me so i'd recommend anyone going into business consider something like e that's either e-commerce based um whether you're selling physical products or digital products but that overhead and that structure and that setup is just not ideal to me in, in this climate and i because i came into business in e-commerce and the digital space if you will if you will i do think that there are so many more benefits um that you have to navigating this space compared to brick and mortar i mean there's just i mean everything you could think of from like certain kind of liability insurance and payroll i mean there's so many things that you can do better um without the overhead with brick and mortar and i think lastly um is to build um build a community of entrepreneurs um or i would say at least a council of people that you really can um that journey with you during entrepreneurship journey. I think one of the things that really brought a lot of value was connecting with other entrepreneurs, um, making sure that I sat under and get, got mentorship from those who either were a little farther along from me, um, being able to have dialogue and, you know, you know, rants with people who were at the same stage as me, and then also being able to share um, knowledge of people that were kind of getting into it as well. So I think that ecosystem um, of just having a, a tribe, a crew, a, a council of people that are journeying with you um, at those different stages is really, really important to development. And I think it's just the, the things that we often can't read about, the things that we can't listen to a podcast about, you're going to get within community. Um, and so I think it's really important that people cultivate that. And so those would be my three tips, you know, for any new entrepreneur in this season or any season, really. Awesome. So, yeah, great advice. So what's what's new for you? What's what's new for you as the person running the company and in general? <laughs> and then what's new for Bell Nouveau? Um, for me as a, a person, um, not that much new. Um, <laughs> for those, you, ask me, you ask me a question, I'm thinking to myself like, oh, well, I mean, you know, I have a birthday coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm actually going home 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm flying, duh, despite popular belief of, you know, how safe it is. But that flight was too cheap. I just couldn't pass it up. It was it was real cheap. So I said, I'm getting on this plane and going home to Florida. Um, oh, and it's Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know people are like, uh, I'm like, hey, you know, we're just going to plead the blood and keep it moving. And so... Uh, so that's my that's I'm looking forward to that next week. I think that's gonna be a, a nice refreshing moment just to get away from Texas, um, get out of the house if you will, go see my family. I haven't seen them in a while, and so um, I'm really looking forward to that personally. As far as Bell, um, honestly, this was this was gonna be a really defining year for Bell in the sense that you know I'm, I'm approaching um, you know I'm approaching eight years now, and so there is this kind of evaluation that I had planned on doing towards the end of the year in regards to well, how this year going and what direction we want to go. Um, I've definitely also looked into some other things, some other projects that I'm working on, not so much in the product space, but still in the digital e-commerce space. And so um, I've been kind of, uh, you know, starting to, you know, work on some projects, getting paid for a couple of things and doing a few things. So I was trying to really measure how am I going to balance? How am I going to do everything? Um, you know, if it requires help, if it requires just shifting altogether. And so, um, so yeah, that's, Bell is, is doing really, really good. So that's making things a lot harder to decision to make because honestly, this this has been a great past three months. I, I really can't complain. Yeah, so, so. so you're back to working a full-time job and running the company at this point. Yes. Again, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how was that? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, I've been kind of working on and off for the last eight years. So for me, uh, I think after the first time I jumped, if you will, like left corporate, it made it a lot easier to do it again, right? Now, I'm not saying this is the the, the crystal clear way or the method for everybody else to follow, but to me, once I realized that I could make something, cultivate something and grow something myself, um, you know, bring it to market, get paid for it, you know, figure all that stuff right there, it I became more confident in, in my ability to do that, no matter what it is, and not this idea that I'm just kind of like, at the the mercy of a, a corporation um to keep me hired and so i think that for me whenever i go into a new job for whatever reason um i'm always looking at it as like okay i have a timeline i have a you know this is a means to an end and i have something else that i'm building and cultivating at the end of the day this has been my capital right going to work and working for a corporation has been my capital um and so they, there have been moments where it's definitely necessary but it, i've never feel like I used to feel, I think prior to starting the business where, man, if I don't have this job, what am I gonna yeah. do? Now I'm kind of like, well, hey, you know, if COVID, if my company shuts down right now for COVID, we gonna be all right, you know what I mean? And so um, I don't have that fear. So I don't go into new opportunities. That's how I look, look at it as new opportunities because I mean, ultimately I have been afforded the, the, the privilege to be able to choose when I wanna work, when I don't wanna work. And so I've had moments where I'm just like, um, you know, I, I need some time off and, you know, I just take five months and I don't work and I just literally do my business and I say, oh, you know what? I, I could use some extra extra money and I'll go ahead and just, you know, pick it back up again. So, um, yeah, healthcare is very stable like that too. So, I mean, I'm kind of privileged in that sense too, that I'm in healthcare. So I'm, I'm really surprised because um, the company I'm with now, I literally joined them like a month before, well, two months before everything got really, weird so um you know i was just kind of like oh well this was kind of good timing in the sense that this afforded me some other opportunities or some you know 
being that I could support uh, my business um, during this time in a more convenient way, like working from home. I mean, they practically set me up in a way that I'm like, oh, y'all don't even know how much I'm maximizing this right now. I'm literally running a business because I'm working from home and I don't have to be in somebody's office every day. So this has been this has been great. So yeah. <laughs> the last question: Where, if our audience needs to reach you, where can they reach you? Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, definitely um, uh, we're on social media. Um, of course, you know, I encourage everyone to visit our website because I put a lot of effort into the site as well, equally. So bellnouveau.com um, is definitely where um, our, our shop is. You can get information, of course, about our products, but also you can see the story in, in full as far as how it all happened. Um, also on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. Um, definitely at Belle Nouveau Beauty. Uh, we're very more active on, on Instagram, probably more than anything. I'm sure a lot of people are as well. So if you really want to keep up in the stories and all that stuff right there, uh, Belle Nouveau Beauty at Instagram.com. Like I'm saying it like we don't know what Instagram is. Um, <laughs> that's where you can find um, me. And if you want to follow me personally, if you just want to see the guy when I'm not, you know, talking about beauty and all things, lotions and creams, um, you can follow me at Arc the Man. Um, that's A-R-C-T-A H-E-M-A-N, Arc the Man. That's where I am randomly cooking and showing you my adventures here in the city of Dallas. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on with us. This is our first actual video interview. Woo! So, yeah, you are the pioneer. <laughs> yeah. So we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. This is great. I mean, congrats to you all for launching. I know that's always the hardest part, but you have launched. So just keep it going. Stay consistent. And um, you building it so they will come. Yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Alright guys, in this week's current events, we've got the story of Kendrick Johnson. Kendrick Johnson's case has gotten notoriety from Kim Kardashian and attorney Benjamin Crump, who's all calling for the reopening and reinvestigation of his case. Now, if you don't know about this story, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Kendrick Johnson was 17 years old. He attended Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Georgia. He went into the gym and never returned. Now, once his body was found, the administrators locked down the school, but the coroner was not called for another six hours. It was reported that his death was a result of suffocation. His body was found rolled up in a gym mat in the school's older gym. That school did have, unfortunately, the surveillance cameras did not capture what actually happened. Uh, the case did end up being closed. The, after that, the family did get a private autopsy done and the cause of death was then determined to be from blunt force. The family did sue all parties involved, including the... Unfortunately, they had to drop the suit because they didn't have sufficient evidence, and then the family was ordered to pay close to $300,000 in attorney fees from the people that they mentioned in the lawsuit. Yeah, all that's crazy. I remember this story um, when it happened those years ago, and I was always suspect of how the case was handled from, 
you know, the school officials, the, the boys involved, and I, I think you, you, um, you, the, you didn't mention that the, the boy's father who killed, who allegedly killed this young man, worked for the FBI. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the top I was, down, um, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't gotten to that part yet, but it turns out that, um, from, based off of the mother's conversation, that the the young man, Kendrick Johnson, did have alleged beef with Brian and Brandon Bell. Brian and Brandon Bell allegedly assaulted him prior to this incident, and he told his mom about it. Nothing was ever done. Um, so when it came back, they, they were the prime suspects, and it looks like his father is or was a FBI agent and talked to the coroner. After the body was exhumed, it turns out that all of the organs for his body had been removed and replaced with newspapers. Yeah, even even that's a little suspect to me because it's like, how did the funeral home that buried him not know that? When you, I don't want to get into the, the gory details of when you know what happens in the funeral home, but I know enough funeral home owners to know and you know morticians to know that when you are autopsy, they take out everything and they, they replace it. So at some point in the autopsy, between the autopsy and the funeral home and the funeral director, the, the family should have been told that they that the that Kendrick's this young man's body was stuffed with newspaper. Mm-hmm. This is not just a minor detail that somebody overlooked. This is corruption on mm-hmm. multiple levels. So I don't know who bought and paid for whose silence, but this is crazy all around. Um, in other news, um, Aaron Glee Jr. has confessed to the kidnapping and killings of a Louis Hoyan Salau, a student and protester, and Victoria Sims, who was a volunteer and retired state worker. Uh, the report says that Sims' body was found under, under a sheet in Glee's house, and Salou's body was found under a pile of leaves behind Glee's rented house. And all, all of this is crazy. Like, Of course, we grieve for the loss of black life when it's taken by um, white officers and any any officer and anybody but this like murders like this especially hurt in this moment um, I don't it's just senseless killing that I just really don't understand yeah rest in peace to those souls uh, uh, yeah. Ola Matoyan Ola Definitely rest in peace to her. She was a big part of the Black Lives Matter movement in Tallahassee and made her soul forever rest in peace. All right, guys, in other news this week, we've got No Name and J. Cole's beef. No Name put out a tweet that says, and I quote, poor black folks all over the country are putting their bodies on the line in protest for our collective safety, and y'all favorite top-selling rappers not even willing to put up a tweet. Niggas whole discographies be about black plight and they are nowhere to be found. J. Cole responded with a song entitled Snow on the Bluff, where he addresses where he addresses uh, No Name's tone, but also compliments her. No Name put out a song called Song 33, but soon after has apologized for the song. No Name has since tweeted, I've been thinking about a lot about it, and I am not proud of myself for responding with Song 33. I tried to use it as a moment to draw attention back to the issues I care about, but I didn't have to respond. My ego got the best of me. I apologize for any further distraction this has caused. So, what do you feel about it? Um, 
I feel that her apology is kind of just damage control. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like in our community, we have to address the patriarchal systems in which black men speak to black women um, and talk about their tone when they're being corrected. I don't think No Name was even talking about J. Cole necessarily. His his own insecurities, I feel, got the best of him. And maybe he hasn't spoken up, but she didn't. She never named him. Um, but I kind of want to, you know, zoom out of this particular situation and just take a look at that because often, like even in the comments that I've seen about this whole no name J. Uh, J. Cole debacle, I've seen some very like misogynistic and patriarchal or comments that are rooted in in patriarchy that we have to address because white if you look at white supremacy as a, a, a house or uh, yeah a house that we're living under white supremacy itself is the root um, racism and capitalism are the, the uh, one of the columns colonialism and indigenous genocide is another one of the columns war and orientalism is another one of the columns and all these columns and all these systems have to be dismantled to bring down white supremacy and this house rests on the ground of patriarchy so I feel like in our conversations with each other we have to move to a different grounding because the ground of patriarchy is not stable soil on which to to build a house or to live on um so in this moment when we're when we're talking about uprooting all these systems we really have to be careful about how we we're talking to each other and how particularly men are responding to women um, when we're having disagreements and arguments tone policing silencing women is not the answer and i'm not saying j cole ever did that or that was his uh that was his um, intent, but mm, I, I have think, to disagree I with think you it's on a that. conversation that we need to have. I, I have to completely disagree with you on that, and, and, and I know that you said that you wanted to zoom out, but I would like to zoom back in and just talk about the matter at hand. We talked about how we should be breaking down the systems of patriarchy, right? But if you're breaking down the systems of, of patriarchy, then you being a woman that's on the front line, you don't need to call out another man that's on the that's not on the front line because you have the exact same power. You have that same equality that you've been fighting for and people are standing behind you. So if people are standing behind you and you are in tune with your audience, then what's the point of calling somebody else out? They have the same exact power that you do. But that's the thing. Women don't necessarily have this exact same power. So that that speaks to the whole deal the patriarchy that I was that I was telling you about in this country in this in western society we we as men have our bully pulpit and women are often you know ignored they're you know even though even if you look at two artists like I think you have, that you have Cole. I think what you're doing is you're, you're looking at a, a broader picture instead of focusing on what the actual real issue is which is J. Cole versus No Name and that she took time out of her day to call out people that she didn't feel like was doing enough and it's really impossible for us as consumers to sit back and say hey you're not doing enough 
there are people who have platforms that don't have to be on Twitter protesting. There is a place for Twitter activists, but there are other places for real activists, as J. Cole. J. Cole's not a person that's just sitting on the sidelines just watching things happen. Have you heard of the, the Dreamville Foundation? That's the foundation that he built to make sure that he was bridging the gap between youth and the rest of the system so that we can all flourish. But if you look at Twitter, we're expecting way too much from celebrities to be doing things on social media as they shouldn't have to because they have power in places that people who are on Twitter being activists don't have real power. There is a time and a space for Twitter activists, but J. Cole's not a Twitter activist. Yeah, I mean... I hear what you're saying, but like I was like I was alluding to before, I, I think is I think this conversation is much bigger than the like the two artists themselves because my response, my what I'm talking about now in this moment is more directed at the commentary and the misogynistic comments and the the comments rooted in patriarchy um, about tone, you know tone deaf and or being a uh, tone police. And to me, that is the that is the bigger issue. Yeah, you're correct in that in saying that everybody doesn't have to use Twitter or you know be you know social media. So, activists. in what ways do you feel like he was being a tone police? In in telling somebody or telling no name that you know she needed to watch her tone, like I I don't think those were the words at all. Uh, he said that you have a platform. I appreciate what you're doing. As a matter of fact, he gave her so many roses, but people zoomed in on what they felt was an insult. He didn't say, watch your tone. He says, I appreciate everything you do, but I just have a problem with the tone in which you're speaking to me. But that's tone, that's tone policing. You can't, I, I can police the way that you talk to me. I, I appreciate your passion. I appreciate the fact that you are fighting and that you are on the line doing what you're supposed to do or, or doing what you, what you feel needs to be done. But don't call me out because you don't know what I'm doing. The thing of it was, he never called. He never said his name. And I feel like that is, that is, that is J. Cole's insecurity, his own insecurities coming to the forefront because no name, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but no name never said the words J. Cole. He said some of your favorite, she said some of your favorite artists haven't spoken out publicly. And I, I do, I do take note of that part of it that you're addressing that, you know, just because somebody hasn't spoken out on social media doesn't mean that they don't care about the issues. Like you said, J. Cole could be down at the protest in disguise or, you know, donating money or any of these other things. But she never said his name. So I don't, I don't really understand um, why he brought it up in the first place and made it seem like she was talking directly to him. And yeah, I do feel like in the in the context of men, black men talking to black women, I feel like we're always taken aback, or black men have always been taken aback about how women speak to them. Yet men can have whole arguments. Um, with each other about anything and they're never asked or never never nobody ever when you're having a man-to-man conversation where it's really rare that another man will say to another woman or another man i'm sorry another man that will say to another man watch your tone when you're talking to me sometimes that might come up but i feel like more more times but i also think we have to take what he said and make sure that we're saying the little words that he said because he didn't say watch your tone when you're talking to me so I appreciate what you're doing, but I don't appreciate your tone. 
and, and I think that words matter. Words matter yeah. and context matter. Because what a lot of people did was they took that whole song, and the whole song was a very humbling song, but they took one line that he said out of that song, and they zoomed in on that, and they made it a bigger issue than what it actually is. And it wasn't the fact that you're a black woman that, are, that is on the line that has a bad attitude. It's not that. It's the fact that you are a person who came for me, and I responded to you as a person. You don't have to be, I'm not calling you an angry black woman. I'm telling you that you don't understand what I've been doing. And yes, as a person, and I'm speaking for J. Cole, and, and hopefully this is not erroneous, but as a person, I don't feel competent enough to be on the front lines leading. But I have other things that I can do, like wear a mask and go protest in disguise. Or I can I can fund more to my, to my corporation to make sure that I'm still bridging the gap. But a lot of people, when you, this is a time where we have people like Shekana and Trina crying over stores. Those are people that should really be called out, but you're calling out somebody who has been active in the community. J. Cole didn't just get here yesterday. J. Cole been marching since Trayvon Martin, and that was eight years ago. So when you call somebody out like that, and I know that you're saying that she didn't mention any names, but when you call out rappers in general, and, and I do agree that there are some rappers that haven't said anything, but I'm not going to call anybody out because I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. And I hope that they're using their platforms and the resources and the connections that they've made to, to do something. But I can't police how anybody else reacts to something. So just like you think it's tone policing, you have to also be aware that you can't police somebody's actions because we all react to things differently. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that outside of the no name J. Cole uh, debacle, this is an issue that we need to talk about because Yeah, I think it's obvious that we have two differences of opinions on this topic. Yeah, so I want to know how our listeners feel about it. So if you feel one way or the other, um, hit us up at Kings with Beards on IG or on Facebook and let us know what you feel about the topic. Because I think even um, our larger audience and, you know, just people in general out there are probably as um, divergent on opinions as we are. So let us know how you all right, guys, in other news, we've got the official acting of Brianna's law that bans no-knock warrants uh, in Louisville. So as an effect of that, the Louisville officer that killed Brianna Taylor has been fired. Now, it is a small victory, however, and, and we are still waiting for him to be charged. But as far as now, the one of the three officers, uh, his name is Brent Hankinson. He has been fired, and as far as now, we're looking for charges to be brought against this officer and the brutal slaying of the beloved Breonna Taylor. All right, guys, this segment of the show is called With Your Stupid, Stupid Ass. Now, during this segment, we give special attention to the people who have no problem showing their utter stupidity. Yeah, so on today's episode of With Your Stupid Ass is Jay Alexander Queen or Queen. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, this 26-year-old man is the second of four Minneapolis police officers charged in the killing of George Floyd, and he has been released from jail after posting bail. Uh, so, Keung is or Keung is the uh, is among three now fired officers charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter for their roles in helping pin Floyd down before he died on Memorial Day. 
So Jay Alexander, I'm just going to refer to him by that, was seen in a grocery store just shopping for his little velvet Oreos as if he had done nothing wrong. And when confronted by this person um, videotaping him, the woman was like, like, are you just here? Like, you didn't kill an innocent man? Mm-hmm. That woman went in on him. Yeah, she really she did. did. He deserved it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, you don't deserve Oreos. There are plenty of mouths that those Oreos can go in that are more deserving than your mouth. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just surprised that he really feels like he can't catch these hands because there's so many people's hands that are fully up to date and he can, he can get them like without a badge. Like you're, you know, you're just out here. Mm-hmm. And especially without being on the force, you're just a regular civilian, sir. This so, man really out here buying Oreos. Buying Oreos. Like you deserve Oreos. I think Oreos are like the greatest thing that happened to mankind and you out here like you deserve some. No, drink some water. Actually, don't drink water. Swallow your spit. Yeah, I think he should be in the house practicing what he will be eating in prison, um, which hopefully he'll be seeing very soon. Uh, but yeah, this this episode of Witch Your Stupid Ass is the Zet Dead. Blah, 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 blah. All right, guys, the name of this segment is called Cocktails and Consultation. Now, during this segment, we discuss our favorite cocktail of the week. And we also sit down and we discuss your letters. So, this week, we have my favorite cocktail, which is an old-fashioned. Now, the recipe for this old-fashioned is very, very simple. You take a half an ounce of simple syrup, two dashes of angel stir bitters, add a little bit of ice, and two ounces of bourbon. My favorite, of course, is Woodford. Top it off with an orange slice and a cherry. And you can just top with soda, and you have it. My favorite cocktail. Now, our letter today comes from... We're going to call him an anonymous, an anonymous, we're going to call him an anonymous king. Hi, my name is Justin and I'm 30 years old. I'm African American. I've been dating this guy named Jacob, who's white, for the past year. He has been coming out to the protest with me, but I don't feel like he understands the passion between the movement and the hurt behind it. Where do I start teaching him about the struggles of our culture? I want him to get some type of understanding if we're going to continue to date. Sincerely. Anonymous Black King. So I feel like um, I have I have questions. How long did they say they've been dating? Uh, the letter said that they've been dating for a year. So you've been dating for a year, um, and if you guys have not already talked about this, like what have y'all been talking about? First of all, yeah. Secondly, um, I don't really. You may take a, a different viewpoint of this, Jay Maurice, than I have, but I don't really feel like it is the responsibility on the part of black people to date, I mean, I'm sorry, to educate white folks. Like, come to us with something that you're curious about. Come to us with an article. Come to us with something that you've researched on your own. Because it's a lot of emotional lifting for black folks to educate you on every damn thing. Like, if you haven't noticed by now, since 2012 and well before that, these, you know, you haven't noticed any of the issues that you're, that we've been dealing with. And I'm sorry, like, you kind of brought this on yourself. You know how white folks, you, the apathy with which a lot of white folks um, deal with. I mean, not, I mean, I think you know what you walked into when you started dating this man. 
Um, it should be no surprise to you, and I don't necessarily have a lot of sympathy. Um, I just, I just don't. Um, like, what do you, what is it that he? I need more information. What is it that he doesn't understand? Has he expressed to you that he wants education? Um, I just, I just need a little bit more information from you. But I, like I said before, I think you walked in on this. You brought this on yourself. Yeah, um, I can agree with that. I'm going to take a little bit more of an empathetic stance and um, say that, first of all, congratulations to you. Um, I don't know that I could do that. I wouldn't be dating a person who's not of the same race in these kind of times. Uh, we're, we're at a very, very... Racial tension is very high right now, and I can only imagine what you all are going through within your home, if, that is, if that's even something that you talk about. I think that it's dope that you are bringing him to protest, or, or I think that it's dope that he is going to protest with you voluntarily, and you're not having to drag him out there because he is willing to learn. So as long as someone is willing to learn, I think that there is something to be taught. Because if he didn't have an interest, then that would be the, a bigger problem. And then I would be telling you, you need to leave his ass. But if it comes down to educating someone who wants to be educated, I would say start with Netflix. Netflix at this point has every single black movie that you can think of. And, and most of it deals with our oppression that we've faced within, for more than 400 years. I think that's a great place to start. But if you have to sit down and talk to him and bring him into some some of the rougher neighborhoods that have oppressed black people for so long and bring them into those gentrified neighborhoods where white people are moving in so that black people can move out further where they can't afford to live and that they have to spend all their money on traveling back and forth so they can have a place to live that's affordable but they're still not able to to maintain their household i think that those are all important things and i would also explain to him if that is you know your story about how there are more opportunities given to people who are not of color than there are people who are of color. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I would I would say to go even further back than Netflix, I would say go back to Roots. Go back to Amistad. Go back to so many of these other movies that take place well before anything of the time span that Netflix is currently showing because I don't think those old classic movies that uh, Netflix has on right now kind of depict or do any justice to why all the fervor around the events that are taking place right now. So yeah. I will say that I am a little bit confused about how he can be out at protests and still not understand why people are upset. It's the fact that we are being murdered by police, the fact that we have been under the systematic oppression for years, and now that I think about it, I think that if you if you have to explain something like that to him, he may not even be intellectually competent enough for you to be with. Oh shit, I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs> but damn. And let me ask this: Is it the is it the this person's date that doesn't understand, or did he ever express that he didn't understand, or what? I'm trying to get like the kind the full issue here. And I think that there's something to be said about him being the same age as you. So he's lived 30 years without understanding oppression, which means that he comes from a family that doesn't understand oppression. So there is a big chance that his family is racist and you're dating him as a black man. You kind of have to explain that to his family, too. And I don't know if you see marriage in your future, but that's something that you have to think about. Like, is your family going to be willing to be at your 
wedding with his family, especially the way that things are now, because there's going to be a lot of racial tension. Right. And so for me, I personally wouldn't date anybody outside of my race just to eliminate those issues. But this is your life. But I, I would say reconsider. Yeah, I would also ask yourself if, you know, cause, because this isn't going to be the first racialized thing that you're going to go through with him. There are going to be things, you know, if, if we ever go, if there is another normal, if we ever go back to what uh, we, you know, previously looked at as normal day-to-day life with no protests going on, there are going to be some other issues that are going to come up and he's just not going to understand. And that's fine. If you want to bear the emotional weight of that in your relationship, do you want your relationship to be one where you can't come home and, and, and freely express yourself and not have your partner completely understand your groan, your, you know, your, your belly aching, your complaints, when you come home from a long day of work? Like, do you want to have the emotional weight of explaining every racialized thing to your partner? If you're willing to live with that, like, go ahead like i don't know take him through the whole take him to all the museums do the do the work of educating him but really have the heart to heart talk with your talk with yourself and ask yourself are you willing to be his history teacher for the duration of your relationship and there's also something to be said about white privilege and his white privilege and he doesn't have to fully understand what's going on in the black community, but if you're using your white privilege to combat racism, then that's the bigger picture. Absolutely. All right, guys, that concludes our segment of Cocktails and Consultation. Remember, if you ever need some advice or you just want to write in or you want to get something off of your chest, feel free to email us at kingswithbeards at gmail.com. That's right, we're giving out free consultation at kingswithbeards at gmail.com. Let's get on with the show. Alright guys, this week we've got some new music from John Legend. John Legend released an album called Bigger Love. It's actually a pretty good album. I listened to a few tracks on it and I, I kind of favor it. Tiana Taylor released an album called The Album. Uh, which it features her husband, Iman Schubert. And they just revealed recently that they are with child. And Wale released an EP called Perfect Storm. And we can't let the day go by without talking about Black Parade by the queen of all things, earth and life and air, Beyonce. What did you feel about it? She is indeed the queen. And I don't know. I think my old ass opinion is probably irrelevant. But I I kind of want a ballad from Beyonce. And I know it's yeah. probably not the time, but that's the Beyonce I miss. Yeah. And this particular song, like, I like it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love, love, love the messaging, but it sounds a lot like the other stuff. It sounds like the Houston screws, you know, the, 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 the trap in there, which I learned to appreciate yeah. from her. But um, I don't know. It, it sounds very similar to other things. Yeah, I will say that it does sound like it could have come from the uh, Lion King album. I. I'm not in love with the song, but I do love the message behind the song, and I think that it's dope that she waited until midnight to drop it on Juneteenth, and that it's just a celebration for the whole weekend for black people. So I, I'm, I appreciate Beyonce for doing things like that. Uh, I think we kind of have, we've lost Beyonce musically. I don't want to say we lost Beyonce musically. I think that the, the ballad singing, um, 
note pushing Beyonce has kind of gone on to be a mother and the person that we get right now is the activist Beyonce, the person who is a mom, who is always standing up for people, who is well spoken and I'm in love with that too yeah I like that too but I, I want her to sing to me <laughs> I just want her to sing to me again I, I miss that, it's it's almost like missing the voice of Whitney Houston, you know, mm-hmm. later in her career she you know, didn't sing as much and that, that also comes with age too like you can't necessarily produce the same notes as you get older and after you have children mm. but um, do you think Beyonce can't produce the same notes that she did uh, Dangerously no, in like, Love no because that's just that's just a vocal thing like uh, your vocal cords change mm. um, and you can tell and she still sounds amazing don't get me wrong I don't want the beehive coming after me mm. but you know things change and that's that's to be expected after having children and you know, getting older. So, I don't know. Like, like you, like I said earlier, I love the messaging of the song. I love the beat, but I don't know. I just kind of wanted something like a stark contrast. From what mm. I'm yeah. Hearing. All right, guys, and that was your music segment for this week. We'll be back next week with some more music. And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you checking out our first episode. And you came back for a second, and we, like I said, we really appreciate it. We hope you continue to join us and, you know, ride this wave with us. Yes, once again, thank you for uh, tuning in again. We definitely appreciate it. And if this is your first time, we appreciate you checking us out for the first time. Want to give a huge shout out to our entrepreneur of the week. Always, uh, and also remember, if you want to be featured on the segment, feel free to contact us at Kings with Beards. That's on Instagram, Facebook, and you can also email us at kingswithbeard at gmail.com. Sorry, that's kingswithbeards at gmail.com. I have got a few shout outs this week. Uh, I want to give a 